Hi, my name is Brooks Gray, and you're listening to Accidental Theology, a podcast about theology and worship. I started playing guitar in the year 2000, which was my senior year of high school. In 2001, I graduated and started college at the massive university, not even a university, of Hiawassee College. I think there was about four to 500 students enrolled with me at the time when I was attending back in 01 to 03 in a little place called Madisonville. Tennessee, which maybe 0.3% of this audience has ever heard of. When I entered college, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I kind of knew what degree I wanted to pursue because I was just getting into music, playing guitar and piano and using my voice to sing a little bit and that type of thing, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of knew I didn't want to teach because I am not gifted in that area, and one of the things that I've learned in life that is super important is to know your weaknesses, and teaching is a weakness for me. Don't have the patience for it, uh, among other things, but that's beside the point. I remember actually having a conversation with my academic advisor when I was getting classes set up, and she asked me, she said, do you want to go down the Associate of Arts path or the associate of science. And this is a two-year school, so I was getting my associate's degree. And I looked at her and I said, well, what's the difference? And she said, well, with an associate of arts, you have to take a foreign language. And so with that, my mind was made up and I said, I'll do the associate of science because I don't want to take a foreign language. So that's how uncertain I was. I just, because of that one thing, I was like, sure, that sounds great. I don't want to take a foreign language. Let's do the science. So thus began my college career. On my college campus, there was a Christian ministry uh, called CSM, which stands for Christian Student Movement. And they met every Wednesday evening in the chapel there on the campus. And they were looking for somebody to lead worship. The people that had been leading worship had graduated. And so coming in, they didn't have anybody to lead that semester. And so because I was about the only person on campus that could somewhat proficiently play guitar enough to lead worship. I mean, there were some other people, but I don't think they were really as interested in doing that sort of thing. I was volunteered to come and lead the weekly CSM meetings. So that kind of fell into my lap. I had no idea what I was doing at the time because I grew up in a very rural area, a very traditional church with the understanding sort of that if it's Christian music, it's Southern gospel because that's all I had ever known. I didn't know anything about contemporary Christian music. I didn't know who Michael W. Smith was, or Stephen Curtis Chapman, or DC Talk. I may have heard DC one DC Talk song called Jesus Freak way back when on secular radio, but that was about it. I didn't know there was even contemporary Christian music out there. So I didn't know any songs to lead, and I can remember some of the people that attended CSM, they would come up to me and say, hey, do you know this song? Uh... 
no, I don't. Okay, that's cool. And so they would burn CDs. This was long before the days of streaming services and YouTube and being able just to go down and listen to whatever song you wanted to. So they would have to burn CDs for me. And I would listen to these songs. And, you know, some of them I would listen to and think, boy, that's a really crappy song. And uh, we wouldn't do that song. Some of them I would compromise and say, okay, yeah, we can do that. So I had a handful of songs that we would do kind of week in and week out. And about this time, there was a band called Sonic Flood who released a self-titled album. I don't know if it was their first album or not, but it was one of their bigger ones. If you're old enough to remember Sonic Flood back in the day, and they completely changed my perspective of what Christian music could be. Here were these songs that were very worshipful in nature as far as the lyrics, but so different from what I'd ever known growing up in church. And that really appealed to me. And I'm not saying that Southern gospel music is bad or any type of music is bad. But I think for me, growing up and and that being all I had known, it was sort of refreshing to hear something different. And I'm, I'm more of a rocker at heart, if you want to say that anyway. So some of these songs with electric guitar, I was like, wow. I didn't know electric guitars were allowed in Christian music. So I really started picking up some of these songs and and listening to those things, which, let me insert here, by the way, a little tidbit of information. This is the 20-year anniversary. 2019 is the 20-year anniversary of that Sonic Flood album. It was released in... 1999, so it was a couple of years old when I started listening to it, but it just really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And so here I was leading this service on campus each week that was student-led, had never led worship before. I had been to a camp or two and seen people leading worship the summer before that, which was really my journey into contemporary worship, if you will, more modern worship Um, than just piano and organ and choir and, you know, a guy standing up front and leading music on Sunday mornings. But as I started leading worship, I had nobody to sort of mentor me and steer me along in the right directions, if you will, and give me advice on leading worship because there was nobody on campus. But also at this time, it was a very, uh, very interesting time in the life of churches from where I lived in in East Tennessee. There's this interesting time where churches were trying to figure out, do we do modern stuff? Do we stick with hymns and traditional stuff? And so you had some churches that would pick it up, um, but there was a lot that were very resistant to it. And my church was one of those churches that was very resistant to it. If I, if I came back and would sing a song, they would enjoy it, but I don't think there's any way I could have gotten away with leading worship like I did at this CSM meeting each week. So it was kind of this time in the life of the churches, as I said, as well as my own life, where I didn't have anybody to kind of point me in any type of direction, really, which brings me to the point of starting this podcast. I initially, when I was thinking through this, was thinking, I'll, I want to do a podcast for worship leaders to, to kind of encourage them, um, share with them some things that I've learned and some things that seem to work 
better than some other things in my 15 years or so experience of leading worship. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, this would probably be a good thing to cover just in the topic of worship in general is just discussing the theology in our worship and, and looking at it from different aspects and maybe even some of the songs we sing, how they are really strong theologically and, and great for our congregation to sing, or maybe there's some questions with that song theologically. So it could get interesting uh, down the road as we have several episodes into it. Um, but there's a few things that I want to point out in this very first pilot episode, just to clear clear the air on some things before we get started into this journey and see where it goes. The first thing is, to my knowledge, there aren't any hard and fast rules when it comes to leading worship. And as we discuss these things, as I mentioned briefly ago, some of them are things that I've learned in my years of experience leading worship. I am not an expert I don't claim to be. I'm not saying that if you follow my advice and do things a certain way, that you will be an awesome worship leader or you will come to understand worship perfectly and listen to me as I dispense my wisdom upon the masses. (laughs) That's not the case at all. Uh, I'm just a normal, simple guy who who loves the Lord and loves to help people in their journey in, in worship which is one reason I feel I'm called into being a worship leader. And the second or another thing I want to mention is there's not a one size fits all approach to worship leading. So as topics come up and discussions come up, I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone or do what I do or do what this person does and everything will be great or look at worship this way and and things will be golden. Again, I'm I'm not claiming to be an expert or a prophet on the matter. I just want to kind of share my heart. The next major thing in this episode I want to point out before we dive into a bunch of different episodes and topics is that without theology, our church worship becomes entertainment in a lot of ways. So for leaders and musicians, what that means is it becomes about how well you can play your instrument or how tight you sound as a band or you know how many notes you messed up or didn't mess up. And for the congregation, it can become an issue of boy, my church band is not near as good as Elevation or Hillsong or insert worship band here. It can become about how I wish my church band would do this, this, and this when we don't have proper theology in our worship. So for worship leaders, I would really understand the dangers of just, for lack of better terms, throwing a set together uh, type of thing. I'm making quotes with my fingers as I say that. Is your song selection about the theological message your ministerial staff is trying to get through, or are you just kind of picking songs that are on the top of the charts at this moment, or maybe they're just favorite hymns you sing week in and week out, and you're just trying to get through another Sunday without anybody complaining about your terrible song selection? I know we've all been there. Um, But have a theological reason for why you pick songs each week. And for someone who's not a worship leader, who is a member of the congregation, you know, understand the danger of critiquing your worship team week in and week out. It's not about how how good a worship team is or how good the music is or if the set list was the best set list that was ever put together. It It's about us having a, a solid biblical understanding for why we worship and who we're worshiping that will really put our hearts in a posture to honor our King, to honor our God. So as I mentioned before, 
I didn't have anyone to kind of help me along in this journey for a lot of years. And so I want to do that for worship leaders, but I also want to do this for church members who attend services. And maybe you've kind of lost the your focus and lost the reason of why you actually worship and the purpose of it all, and you get distracted really easy. I hope these podcasts can be an encouragement to a wide range of people. And we're going to talk about contemporary stuff. We're going to talk about hymns. We're going to talk about uh, leading those things and and all a lot of wide range of topics. And I hope to have several guests on as we cover some of these topics to get different perspectives. And I want to close with this uh, when we're talking about theology in our worship. And I kind of I kind of picture building something without instructions. Now, I have a lot of furniture. Well, not a lot, I wouldn't say, but I have furniture in my home that we've bought or we've ordered, and it comes in a box, and you have to put it together, whether it be chairs or tables or whatever. So you're putting the, you put these furniture pieces together, and if most people are like me, you you can start by not using the instructions, and then you get so far, and then all of a sudden you realize ah, crap, I put this piece in the wrong place. Or, you know, well, I can't put this piece on without loosening this back up or taking this piece off. And so you're having to backtrack and and fix what you've messed up. And I picture our worship in the same way when we don't have proper theology, when, it, when it's about singing songs. When worship is just about singing songs, it's kind of like building an elaborate piece of furniture without us instructions. We can get so far and realize, oh, man, we've messed up. We need to backtrack here and, and try to get things in order. And, and it's not necessarily through our own power or our own wisdom, but it's it's through the work of the Holy Spirit and especially for worship leaders as you're leading you know you may luck up if you're if you're not relying on the holy spirit if you're not sound in your theology and your worship and why you're worshiping you may be able to to fake it for a while but you're going to get to a point where you're either burnt out or you're caught with um, your hands behind your back and you realize i've never had a purpose for why i'm doing what i'm doing so i hope these next episodes will kind of lay a, a firm foundation for us as we dive into a lot of other stuff but I hope you'll come back next week I want to talk about the role of a worship leader and this is going to be good not just for worship leaders but also church members and, and hopefully help in how you see your worship leader and the role that he has and and give you a different understanding of what's that what that's all about so I hope you come back and join me have a great week and God bless